Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 299. Today's episode is all about using emotions to tune into your subconscious mind. I'm interested in the truth. I want to know, why did I say that? Why did I get in that same relationship pattern again? I want to not do those things. I want to not do things that are harmful to me or others. So I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing more. I want more peace. I want more kindness for myself in the world, all those things, you know, and one of the metaphors that's really worked for me was just referring to your shadow self as the basement of your psyche. It's dark and damp down there. And there's stuff we haven't looked at in ages that need to be brought out and given away, sold in the yard sale, recycled. We push stuff into the psyche that we don't want to deal with because it's too painful. We're ashamed of it. We don't think we have the capacity to deal with it. That's why so many of us wait so long, which actually can be quite wise, to unpack trauma and all those things. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Are you ready to make some positive changes in your life? Well, hit the subscribe button to join the Mind Love movement. Our community is all about empowering each other, celebrating our wins, and supporting each other through our struggles. And with your help, we can grow even bigger and reach even more people. So hit the subscribe button and let's get started. How do you decide which direction to go? How do you know if what you're choosing is what you really want versus what you think you should want? How do you check in with yourself to see if you're still on the right track? If what you dreamed of last year is still what lights you up now? Most people don't ask themselves these types of questions at all. So even if you don't quite know the answers yet, just the fact that you're contemplating this at all already puts you in the top 1%. Whether you're starting a new business or just trying to navigate your daily life, the choices can be overwhelming. So how do you know if you're making the right decision? Are you choosing what you really want or just what you think you should want? So many people are just living on autopilot, doing what they've always done and wondering why they're so unhappy. And at least here in America, most people are unhappy. In fact, a poll from just two years ago found that people are the unhappiest that they've been in 50 years. Only 14% of Americans said that they were very happy, which was down from 31% just three years before. And I know the last few years have been difficult, so that's somewhat expected. But I don't think people realize that their own choices play a huge part in their happiness. I feel like this is coming up a lot lately, but I also think it's really important to note that sometimes it's our choices that get us into situations that make it more likely for terrible things to happen. I can point to my 20s as evidence for this. Sexual assault, addictions, a traumatic relationship, legal trouble. So many things happened to me that at the time seemed out of my control. 
but I have to ask myself, why weren't these things happening to my friends who had their lives together? What came first, my choices or my problems? I'm watching the same thing happen to a family member of mine. In the last year, he's been in his second motorcycle accident, back in rehab, and was carjacked. And during the carjacking, he was stung by a bee, which he's allergic to, so he was rushed to the hospital for like three reasons at once. It's not like he chose most of these things. But I personally believe that when you're living out of alignment, when you don't know how to choose what's best for you on a soul level, maybe you're just more vulnerable to the crazy. 10 to 15 years ago, my life was like a bad movie. I was always trying to dig my way out of something. And now, sometimes my good luck is laughable. Like too good to be true laughable. I'll give you an example. I was in Mammoth once and it was snowy, so chains were required. Well, I got the wrong chains, so we couldn't get them on the car and we were stuck in this parking spot on a hill trying to figure out what to do. Just then, the exact same vehicle pulled out of a parking spot and drove off, and one of his chains just neatly fell off literally right behind my car. <laughs> my jaw dropped. I even waited for like 30 minutes to see if he'd come back, and he didn't. So I put it on my wheel, and it was exactly what I needed to get out of there. Or just the other day, I went to buy emergency diapers and realized I left my wallet, which is such a bigger deal when you have to pack up a toddler and a newborn. So I was super frustrated and about to angrily pull out and go home and try again. And there was just a $20 bill stuck to a post-it note right next to my tire that said, love you with a smiley face. Stuff like that happens to me all the time, and I can't help but get full body chills because I just feel guided and protected. The problem is, when we're trying to make big life choices for ourselves, we stress ourselves out, which makes it even more difficult to think clearly. I've already spent so much time on this. Will my parents be disappointed? What will people think? What will make the most money? We get so logistical about everything that we forget that maybe our soul already knows what's best for us. So how do we tap into that wisdom? How do we align with what our highest selves already know? That's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Danielle Laporte. She's a renowned author, speaker, and entrepreneur. You've probably already heard of her because she's helped millions of people all over the globe access the power of their emotions and intuition to make better life choices. You might recognize her from her method called Desire Map, which shifts the traditional focus from setting goals to determining how you want to feel in life. Well, now she's taking this one step further, discovering how access to her inner wisdom has shifted over the years. So three key things we will learn are how to use shadow work to explore the basement of your psyche, how to embrace healing by releasing the wounded story, and how to tap into the heart's wisdom and guidance. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777.
And now let's welcome Danielle Laporte to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us about your shift recently from, you talked about moving from an emotion-driven life from your work with the Desire Map to a more heart-centered life. A series of revelations and tough calls and dark nights of the soul. Um, So important to presence that the question of how do I want to feel was like the center of my life. And it became the center of my career, my business for a long time, right? Like the desire map was this whole methodology about getting clear about how you want to feel. And then that turned into a whole day planner system and the coaching system and all this stuff. And it became clear to me over time. And this is like, this is like over like seven years of faltering and learning and rising and all the things we go through that I could be in a bad mood. I could be having a really rough time and I still felt loving and I still felt like I could, I was receiving love. I still felt close to something greater than myself. And then with some research into mysticism and metaphysics and all those things, learning more about the origin of feelings and emotions that they're really not coming from your conscious self, your higher consciousness, which isn't to say you're unconscious because you have feelings. It's part of the human experience, but they're actually coming from the unseen, unknown, shadowy, unconscious part of ourselves, happiness and sadness, the positive and negative feelings. And that kind of combination of awareness of like, I can still feel really on purpose and connected, even if I'm having a bad day, even if I'm not feeling the way I want to feel combined with like, you know, our feelings are coming from a different place than I thought they were. Just brought me to a new question, which is what do I want to embody? Like, what do I want to be? What's the energy that I want to be no matter what, no matter how the podcast goes, no matter how I feel that day, no matter what somebody says to me, I I think, you know, so many of us can identify with that that intention or that desire, like we don't want to get thrown off center, right? Like you want to be, you don't want to live in reactivity. You want to be clear and strong and ideally like compassionate, loving, no matter what's going on. And that requires a a different question, which is about embodiment, not about whether you feel happy or sad that day. Yeah. I think that's something that people can confuse where they think that the sadness is a darkness or which, I mean, in a way it is, it's this feeling of darkness, but, but I remember when I was first diving into spiritual work, learning, I had these different anecdotes, like the energy that you, you're in when you're creating is the energy that you're spreading. And so I remember being very aware of when I was down and suddenly like, not knowing if I wanted to be out there or be even creating in my business or anything like that. And what I found though, is that it's sometimes in those moments that I'm able to access a level of vulnerability that I'm not able to access in other, in other areas. And and it's different from maybe 10 years before when I was in a bad mood and I wanted to bring other people down, (laughs) but, but there's some form of bypassing when we don't give validity to the deeper emotions or the emotions that are still very human, but 
maybe aren't maybe aren't those high vibration yeah pleasant like this is who she wants to be type thing this is a really good point because I experienced the same thing of just like I know I mean I mean I know conceptually energy follows thought so like what's the energy of the thought I'm having is it a positive thought great I'm gonna get more positivity is it a negative heavy thought and then I'm gonna attract and manifest more heaviness all that stuff but the the shift there to make is that you're loving and accepting of whatever is happening. And you're going to get more of that, right? Like you're going to get more things to love. You're going to, that's the higher vibration. So it's like, you know, you could be feeling super depressed and resentful and jealous and some low vibe stuff. That is low vibe stuff. There's no arguing that. And you really have a choice at that point. You're either going to get down on yourself and say, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not evolved enough. And that's just more like self-loathing and hatred. And that's what you're going to get more of. Or you can choose to really not do the spiritual bypass and love what's going on. It's like, wow, jealousy is a part of me. Obsessiveness is a part of me. And I'm in charge. And I can love on all of those fragmented, low vibe parts. You know, I can be high vibe enough to love, make space for, actually have a conversation with the low vibe parts of myself. And that's from where you're manifesting. Like I'm spacious, I'm loving, I'm creative. Like I feel right now, I just, um, you know, at the time of us, at this present time recording this conversation, I've just got back from Mexico and I, you know, I live in a cold climate. I live in Vancouver, BC, it's really rainy. I love the city, but you know, it hasn't been great on my lungs. I'm putting that in past tense. In the past, it wasn't really great on my lungs. So I like fled to Mexico. Just like I need sun or I'm going to get really, really, really sick. And the energy that I brought there was this kind of desperate energy. I was, it was really like this running. I wasn't, it looked like self-love. Like I'm going to do loving thing for my body and my health. And I'm going to get to a warm climate to heal my asthma. But the energy underneath it was, I'm escaping, I'm running, I'm desperate to get healthy. I can't be healthy wherever I am. And so I manifested a lot of challenges when I got there. Like for, you know, one of the hotels, I, as soon as I walked in, mold. I mean, I'm, I'm so sensitive to all this stuff now. It's just like, you know, and I like put, I said to my man, like, don't even put your bags down. We got to go. <laughs> and the next place, so noisy. I couldn't sleep. Like all I wanted was sleep. So if I would have, I'm telling the story to like, just identify like how, how we make the choice. If I would have gone with the energy of like, I'm going to heal myself instead of I'm running away because I can't take it. I'm desperate for healing. I probably would have had a very different trip. When I got there, and I got it towards the end of the trip, took three weeks. And finally, I got to the place of like, you know what? I can heal no matter what, because I am loving. I am spacious. I'm strong. And then the trip shifted and I got some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. 
That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's funny because uh, just like an hour and a half ago, I had prepared for this and I've read your book before in the last couple of weeks. And then this morning I was kind of re-going over some of the key points I wanted to bring in. And I was just feeling the really high vibrational energy, right? And I had about an hour and a half and I was like, I need to go to UPS to return some things. And so I went in, I returned a bunch of stuff, came out. I'm nine months pregnant right now. So I, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And so I come out and I slip on ice and I felt pretty hard on my knee and I caught myself to where, you know, I don't think I feel fine, but my knee hurts pretty badly, but there was nobody really around. And I just like, I went into a full blown panic attack. I was just like crying and because it was just like that flash, I could cry right now, a little raw, (laughs) but the only people around where this couple ran up to me and it just happened to be a paramedic and his wife. (laughs) And so he's calming me and she holds me and she's just co-regulating my nervous system. And I'm just like crying. And then, and then he prayed over me and they walked me to my car and like made sure I was good. And I got home and it took me a while. I was still pretty emotional, but my thoughts were, 
after I got over like what just happened, then I was just like, really? Like now my face is all puffy. I have this interview I've been looking forward to. Like, why is this happening? And the moment that I said that in my mind, I was reminded of a quote in your book where it said, where you said, what if we asked why things are happening for us instead of before we ask them to be changed? And I'm not saying I wanted to fall or anything like that, but in my mind, I ended up just kind of doing a heart-centered meditation. And when I said earlier how sometimes in those darker moments, I'm able to access this level of vulnerability. It was just this message of, because I was like, now I just feel so raw. And I just heard this voice like, exactly. Like you need the vulnerability for this podcast. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I just had my moment reclaiming my energy. But it was just kind of this interesting thing, like where on one hand, it felt so out of control and kind of random and it hurt. (laughs) On the other hand, it's like a paramedic and his wife and they're coming and they're like, they said all the right, it was exactly who I needed to be there in that moment. And apparently exactly the energy I needed to be in when I was going into this interview. But it's just been one of those days. And and the more that I trust that I am being guided and that everything's happening exactly as it should, it just sort of unfolds this like I feel a little bit different than I would have if I would have gone into this interview two hours ago, but it's in this good way. Like I'm ready to spill. I'm ready to kind of just be the vessel, yeah. <laughs> like what needs to occur now. So that's been my morning. <laughs> oh, good one. Yeah, that's so moving. I, what a great experience to be prayed over, right? Like even if I, I don't know what your belief system is, who knows what his belief system actually is, but I just find it so touching. The few experiences I've had where people have been so themselves that they have prayed over me. It's so, I find that so moving and who knows what channel it opened for you. But what I, what I hear in that, like if I would just take that experience for myself is again, it's what we're both talking about, about like the choice, because you could look at that or anybody who's listening and like you get into a fender bender or whatever the hard thing is, you know, and you could say to yourself, First of all, it's such an act of consciousness to say, why is this happening? And then to be loving with it. But someone could not say why, not ask, and just be like, that ruined my day and pregnant and me and interview. And I got to put my mascara back on and shitty day and all those things. When I have close calls like that, instead of thinking, my God, that car almost hit me. I think, look how protected I am. That car didn't hit me. And it's such, that's it's like a huge paradigm shifter. Like, look how protected you are. You, you, you got a paramedic who prays and his wife, like bumps are going to happen. We're going to slip. We're going to hurt things. Even in sacred times of like, when, when's your due date? <laughs> February 22nd. <laughs> February. Oh, you're going to have a Pisces. No, you'll have an Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. Is this your first baby? No, second. And my last one was due on February 22nd as well. (laughs) He was born on the 24th. He's a Pisces though. So it's probably going to be two Pisces, I think. (laughs) Cool. Oh yeah. You will have a Pisces. Sorry. My my son is born very close to that. It's the cusp. Remember he was holding on. It's very cuspy. He was holding on because I know he wanted to be a Pisces because, well, he is who he is, but you know, just that tenderness that they have yeah that's exactly how I felt it was just and that's 
it's been my greatest focus. And I keep saying that lately life has been like the Instagram algorithm, you know, like really creepy where you say something out loud and all of a sudden it just <laughs> presents itself to you. And so my focus has been just really feeling that guidance, feeling that relationship. And so, yeah, I don't know that man's beliefs, but I, I believe in the power of prayer intention. It's the same energy for me. So I'm able to receive it regardless of the place that it, oh, I trust the place that it came from is basically what I'm getting at. And so what I got in that moment though, was that I've been asking for guidance and trying to spend more time in that place uh, to develop the relationship. Cause so often we're like, yeah, I want to, I want this, but we're not willing to spend the time to create the space, to have the stillness in order to develop it. And so that's what my focus has been. And when I came back home, I probably would have ended up doing some other tasks first and then, and then doing the interview. But instead, the only thing I could really handle in that moment was just recalibrating my energy. And so I ended up in my own meditation and I was reminded by another quote in your book that basically was about how we so often are looking for these higher thoughts outside of ourselves, searching for quotes, reading more books. And I find those things helpful. But the greatest thing that we can do is really just tune into ourselves and realize that those higher thoughts aren't outside of ourselves. They're right there. And so instead of being like, okay, well, what do I need? I need somebody else to come comfort me. I need this. I'm grateful for what came to me. And then I was able to to just sort of tune in and, and give myself the rest and, you know, see what came through in the, those moments. And I ended up kind of hearing my own guidance. This is exactly, you know, I'm fine. And this is exactly how it was supposed to happen. And and really focusing on that heart space, which was a great reminder from your book. You talk about how the heart is the greatest source of electromagnetic energy in our bodies. And, and you know, I know that I can get caught in my head and I have all of these higher thoughts in there memorized or my own, but, you know, I can feel it. It's like I can feel myself living in my head. And so I took that time to just move down into my heart and just feel until I felt calm. And I just knew that it was exactly what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's right there. Inspiring. It's what I need today too. Every day. Yeah. You talk about how in order to really get to these, get these messages or it's, it's like a healing work, but you talk about how we, our greatest work in this lifetime is making the unconscious conscious. And I'd love to hear, to get, just go deeper on that, because I know for some people that might sound completely foreign, and for others, you know, there's this sort of balance between, oh, well, what's shadow work? Do I go in the past? Do I go in the future? And there just seems to be a lot of confusion. I've been getting a lot of questions lately. So when you talk about making the unconscious conscious, what is your process or what does that look like? I would say that's my shorthand definition of shadow work. And I want to know, I'm, I'm interested in the truth. Like, I want to know, why did I say that? Why did I get in that same relationship pattern again? I want to not do those things. I want to not do things that are harmful to me or others. So I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I need to know why I'm getting certain results because I want better results. And by better, I mean, more, I want more peace. I want more kindness for myself in the world, all those things, you know? 
And um, so I'm really curious about the source of things. And one of the metaphors that's really worked for me, I wish I could give somebody credit for this, but it came up in therapy and then with another energy healer I worked with, was just referring to your shadow self as the basement of your psyche. And it's really useful metaphor because it's like, it's dark and damp down there. And there's stuff we haven't looked at in ages that need to be brought out and given away, sold in the yard sale, recycled. And stuff tends to hide down there. Or we, we push stuff into the psyche that we don't want to deal with because it's too painful. We're ashamed of it. We don't think we have the capacity to deal with it. That's why so many of us wait so long, which actually can be quite wise, to unpack trauma and all those things. And then my experience, which this is nothing extraordinary. This is what, you know, every mystic and psychologist talks about. It's like the light is actually in the dark because what you have to do is you have to love what you find in the basement of your psyche. So you're going to find all your gnarly stuff. You're going to find your manipulativeness and your neediness and all the stuff, all the reasons you're in coaching or therapy <laughs> or all those things you don't want people to know about you that's in the basement. And so shadow work, isn't just, you bring your shit up and you look at it and you try and change it. That is the misperception. And that's why we end up in therapy way too long. That's how we use self-help to just become self-criticism. It's you go in, you get the gnarly stuff and you love it you actually have a conversation with it. You actually, and this is kind of what, you know, how to be loving the book is all about. You get to a point of some reverence for it. So it's like, can you find the gift in your doubts without trying to make your doubts fearless or faithful? Like, here's another metaphor. This is all house metaphors. Like if a friend came to your doorstep and they were terrified, they were, they were embodying fear. You wouldn't say to them, you need to not be scared. You wouldn't do that. You're a loving person. You take them in and you would speak to their fears. You would be gentle with their fears. You would, you're actually making space for their fear. Um, that's love. That's accepting what is. So you find your fear in the basement and you don't say, you need to be courageous. That just creates more schisms more anxiety in the system. And then the panic comes up in the times when it gets crunchy, you know? So that's how shadow work is actually light work. Because when you go into the basement, you find out how loving you are. You find out how powerful you are because you're going to take all of that stuff and you're going to be your most loving parental goddess-like self with it. And then it kind of winks at you. Your doubt says, see, I'm useful. I'm useful. Hi, I'm your doubt. Don't I make you more faithful every time I show up? Look at me. And you could also, like, you know, I use that term parenting. So lots of us relate to that is you just find out how powerful and loving you are. And you really take the lead. Like, it's not about putting your doubt and all your neuroses in the front seat. It's about saying, I have room for you, and this is where I'm going to put you. I love you. You get to be doubtful. You get to be fearful. But you're going to sit at the back of the bus. Oh, I no, I heard you. I heard you. I'll listen to you tomorrow in meditation. But I'm even, you're with me, and I'm still going to 
launch. I'm still going to fall in love. I'm still going to say what I need to say publicly because I am light. I am love and I am running this show. And so it sounds like the focus is more on really confronting the emotion and the the feeling that's there versus retelling the story that got that might have brought that up in the first place. Such a good point. Yes. Yes. This is, this is gene. This is such a genius noticing because do we need to retell stories? Yeah. Once or twice, witness it, love it, observe it, unpack it, be heard, go to therapy for sure. But then enough, you're not what happened to you. You're not what somebody called you. You're not what your father said you were when you were 13. You're not that. You're bigger. You're a whole soulful person with capacities. You're actually made of it's really pure energy. A lot of us would call love. And enough with the retelling. The ego mind loves to keep telling. Oh, my God. And you keep telling the same. You keep retelling the story about how you got wounded or betrayed all really shitty, legit things. And you will attract more of that. It's just how it works. I mean, we can get into the metaphysics of that, like the energy of what happened in the past and the retelling of the story. It's just like, you're keeping that energy alive and you're carrying it around with you. And that energy is magnetic. It's like walking around, like bouncing this ball wherever you go. And someone just keeps looking at the ball and just like, I, that bad thing happened. I have this, you know, I got betrayed again. I got left again. I'm broke again. It happened. Compassion. Put the ball down. Tell a new story. That happened to me. I rose above it. I mean, I can, let's go back to me in Mexico and asthma the learning of that trip, the last, I mean, this is really, I could cry. Like this is the raw stuff for me right now is I have been in this story of my self-compassion kind of has gotten into some, a little bit of self-pity. It's hard having asthma and living in Vancouver and doing what I do and all that stuff. Uh, My health is really compromised right now. And I've been negotiating with the darkness, like do I have to move? What do I have to do to, and I'm just like, I've been, here I can be more specific. I've been identifying as a sick person. I'm not a sick person. I am all those things I just described for everybody else. Like I'm a soul with all these powerful energies. I'm made of love itself. And my body has some challenges. I can heal them and live wherever I want. Um, I got to stop telling the story of how hard it is for me to live where I live and what it does to my lungs. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. 
The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. And so when you go through that process and you stop telling that story, I'd love it. The ego squirms. Yeah. That's what happened. And I love what you say about how when we start to look at the ego, not not necessarily as the enemy, although Ryan Holiday might have something to say about that, but as behavioral patterns. I find that really freeing. Uh, A long time ago, I did an episode with someone and the title was The Ego and God Are One. And he basically was going off about how everyone's demonizing the ego, but it's this part of ourselves. And and it's a big part of the human part of ourselves. And, and in rejecting the ego, we're also rejecting a part of ourselves. And so to see it as a behavioral pattern is something that's like, cause I've understood that, you know, okay, just embrace, accept my ego, but there's something very freeing about seeing it as that behavioral pattern, because there was something very freeing when I understood how my mind worked when I was healing all of my trauma from my twenties. And I'm like, I feel like I'm just broken. I have all these things. I have so many things that I need to heal. And yes, I do believe I can heal them, but why do I have so much more than everybody else? And that was my story. But then I was, when I started to understand, well, you know, you, you just pick them off one by one, you know, you change the pattern. And so the same thing with the ego, with these parts of myself that I thought maybe were bad parts of myself. Maybe I could never be who I wanted to be. And so seeing it as that allowed me to release it in such a way where I'm, instead of resisting it so often, I was able to work with it and I'm still working with it. And I probably always will be, (laughs) you know? And so as long as you have a mind, you're going to have an ego. The mind manufactures the ego. So I'm on the side of, well, I'm on the side that includes everybody, (laughs) but uh, the ego is not the enemy. You made it. This is you know, what the other gentleman was saying is the ego and the, and God are, are one. Yeah. Let me give you a really feminine, motherly description of that. The ego is your mind, baby. You make it. You create it. What if you looked at the ego as one of your children? And it's one of your more annoying kids. It's your kid on this worst. It's your kid on its most needy, unmet, um, manipulative, just just trying to be loved self. Like one of the, one of the terms I offer in how to be loving, which is a nod to, I really love this teacher, Adya Shanti, who uses this phrase egoing. So the way I break that down is, you know, so obviously, you know, ego is more of a verb. It's a way of being a behavior, as you mentioned, 
is that instead of, you know, when you do something, you know, some poor behavior, some low vibe thing, instead of saying, oh, I need to get my ego in check. That was so egocentric of me. That was so unevolved, so unspiritual. No, that's where the ego becomes the enemy. And it's just more fracture, more fight. And just even the energy in that, you can just hear it. It's just, who wants that? You can just say to yourself, oh, I was egoing. That's it. Which is, instead of being loving, I was egoing. I just forgot for just for a minute when I was being a bit of a dick, I forgot that I'm actually loving and compassionate. I was egoing. So much more gentle, so much more medicinal. You've taken the charge out. And what happens is the mind, the ego self, the unhealed self, the shadow, all the same thing, just starts to relax. What you're doing when you keep loving your ego is you keep saying, I love you. I'm not going to fight with you. And then it doesn't have to yell so loud and say, look at me. I'm so needy. Here's an anxiety attack or here's more striving or here's another big ridiculous goal. Look at me. It, the ego mind will say, it just feels like, oh, you're looking at me. Okay. Maybe I don't need to go crush a bunch of goals today. Maybe I don't need to like have you feel all this shame. Okay. You saw me. All right. You saw me. I've had a lot of random kind of addictive patterns. Like even I bit my nails for most of my life and I finally healed that. But it's one of those things that I'm reminded of. (laughs) Oh, a lot of, a lot of things. But, um, one of the, one of the ways was noticing my energy in my body when I would be compelled to be just kind of picking. And so it went from like biting pretty hardcore to always picking and I just could not grow them or I would for a minute and then I'd break one. And then it was, it was just a whole thing, but they were bad, like, like really low, painful all the time. I remember I used to hate doing laundry because something about getting the wet clothes out would just be too raw on my fingertips. (laughs) Like it was not good. And one of the biggest parts of healing that other than giving it a lot of love, like actually trying to take care of the little nubs that I had (laughs) because it it brought a different energy to it, but was I would find myself in certain situations and I would ask myself, well, well, why now and not an hour ago? Like what, what's different about now? And I, I could tell there was like pent up energy in my hands and I could feel the tension in my body whenever I was compelled to do something like that. So I would, at first I I tried to just do something different. Like I'd sit on my hands or whatever. That didn't really work. I would find myself like just wanting to pull them out. (laughs) So I would just breathe into them and instead focus on seeing how calm I could get my hands. And I would just breathe and picture the breath going into my fingertips. And it was the same way. It was the same process that I learned when I was healing myself from bulimia was noticing that same energy around that compulsive action. And so I would breathe into my diaphragm, which during those times, I always noticed that I'd feel very contracted, like I'd want to be hiding my abdominal area. And so instead, I would do the opposite. And I'd breathe into it and expand my diaphragm and not worry about what it looked like or whatever it was. So basically do the opposite of what the compulsion was telling me to do. And so in these same ways, that's how I look at that kind of egoic nature of wanting to judge or whatever. It was actually happening when I was 
reading your book. I was reading something very loving and I got distracted by Facebook and I, I scrolled and I saw something and I was just like, she always posts the weirdest stuff on Facebook. And then I was like, I had that moment where I'm just like, what is this energy? You know, <laughs> like I post weird stuff on Facebook. People will probably think I'm a weirdo. And so I like just breathed into it. And it's, it's just funny. It's the same energy just in different parts of my body that's creating this compulsion. And what I've noticed is all I have to do is really breathe into it and change the, maybe it's the nervous system or the the tension, release the tension. And so it reminds me of what you were just saying about how, you know, we have this egoic pattern and, and we're resisting it. And all that causes is more of those same behaviors or similar behaviors versus just to me that breathing into it is the acceptance and the allowance. But for me, that's been able to actually pivot the behavior. Mm. That's great. That's so much, so many growth points in there. The, the breath is love. The breath is love. Like, um, I mean, here we are, mind love, right? It's the breath is you are bringing your consciousness, your attention, you're bringing life force to something that's actually resisting life. And it's the most powerful. I think it's the most powerful um physical hyphen spiritual tool we have is breath yeah conscious breath i mean obviously breath is life um but conscious breath to where it is and i had to hear this so many times from so many psychotherapists and healers and friends it just like just breathe into it and you know the ego mind is saying it cannot be that simple I, there's got to be another 10 steps to this. I, there's, you know, to just make it more difficult, but you know, one powerful practice for me over the last couple of years has been box breathing where you just inhale for four counts, hold it for four, exhale for four, hold for four and repeat. And if you can just do like three cycles of that, what you're really, what you're really doing is you're saying body, I'm here for you. Emotions, I'm here for you. Spirit, I am allowing you to move through me. And even the word inspiration is about breath, you know. Um, breath is it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. reminds me mm -hmm. of 
of what you say about we'll keep going back for more pain until we realize that we are not the wound. And I think that's mm -hmm. what that that's what the big shift was for me in all of those things because it was hard not to see so many similar but very different patterns and just <laughs> like wonder if I'm I'm broken, you know? And so it was really when I released that story and and for me one of those steps was actually turning it into my superpower as well. It's like, man, look how committed you are to even the worst things. Imagine if you were able to shift your focus to something amazing. <laughs> so that became my goal. It's like all of these patterns are taking up so much space. All I have to do is release them one by one and replace them with something new. And, uh, and it was over time, it was that self-belief that, uh, that I wasn't broken, that I wasn't the wound. It was just something to be tended to, something to be healed. And to tend to it, you know, I, I spent a lot of years ignoring it. And I, and I thought that that was going to be a way to move through it. But I didn't realize that it was also, like you talk about, the inner child that's just kind of screaming for that attention. And so, like you said a few minutes ago, I see you. And for me, it was asking, well, what what is this need really? Because it's not a real need to self-harm and peel my fingernails off or, you know, or whatever what, what it is. Was, what was the need for you? It was um, a lack of an outlet of expressing emotions from, I think, mm. previous traumas. I, I did not allow myself to feel a lot of things. And so I think there were a lot of stuck emotions in my body. So I went yeah, through, no <laughs> yeah, kind of a dark night of the soul in the beginning of healing. I was like, I thought this was supposed to feel good, but there was an outpouring of of a lot of pent up grief and and loneliness and and just trauma i suppose but it needed to be felt without adding to the story and so for me that was you know i i the times i had tried to feel it before it was just me getting in my head woe is me self pity party but when i started to feel it and actually release it instead of feel it and hold on to it with whatever story i had about it tell it over and over again and then cry harder uh, that didn't work for me but but the releasing just the feeling and and just focusing on where those sensations were in the body versus the story that i had attached to them or that were attached to them that's how i think one by one and it wasn't that easy it wasn't, wasn't like oh now all these behaviors are cleared up yeah, <laughs> there's a good seven more years of <laughs> figuring that out but but i understood that it needed to be whatever it was holding on to needed to be released whether that was the nervous energy of biting my fingernails or whether it was the grief that i had been holding on to since i was 19. <laughs> love it so you, one of the things that you talk about is there's a lot about self-acceptance in your book, which I think is just the way you describe so many things is almost like poetry. I loved reading your book, but you talk about accepting even your resistance. What does that look like in practice? Super practical. It's uh, well, here's a good example, resistance around forgiving, right? We all know cognitively, like, and in our hearts, like forgiveness is the way to go. It would make a lot of things a lot better. Uh, but then there's usually resistance to forgiving, right? There is an injury, harm has been done, perceived harm, emphasis on perceived, you know, because it's not always intended. And the bypass is you forgive it when you really haven't processed the emotional impact. And that's just, you'll never, like faux forgiving is just, 
it's really kind of a step backwards because it's going to come up again. So you can just pray to get assistance with forgiving. It's like, I'm resistant to forgiving, but I want to forgive. I'm resistant to being loving right now, but I want to love. I'm resistant to breaking out of my box or being more prosperous or most of us are resistant to what we want the most because it's going to require some shift. And the ego wants you to stay the way you are. The ego doesn't want, the mind doesn't want growth. The unhealed self is so comfortable and familiar with being unhealed. So like doesn't really want you to take any quantum leaps. So I think when the resistance comes up, you just be like, okay, it's there. That's easier said than done, but like, hmm, no judgment about this resistance. And you can ask for it to be dissolved. Whether you're asking your higher self or your heart or your unseen guides, you know, whatever works for you. And then in a more psychological sense, you could celebrate that resistance often means that change is happening. There's actually studies done on this. So, you know, you go to the gym, you make your resolution and you're on day five of going to the gym and you're feeling great. And then week three, you're just like, huh, I'm going to stay home and eat some chips. The resistance that's happening to get yourself to really entrain that new behavior means that a new behavior is actually starting to take root on both a psychological and cellular level. And if you can, instead of fighting your resistance at that moment, but just and I know this sounds a little counterintuitive because you just like, don't you, aren't you supposed to overcome your resistance? Well, how does it, does that really work? It doesn't really work because you can keep overcoming your resistance and, and pressing it down, actually just putting your resistance, the voice of it in the basement. It's going to come back up. You're going to quit three months later and never go back, or you're going to leave the job that really could have been a beautiful career opening. Just, wow, I'm resistant. I don't want to go. Doesn't mean I'm a loser. Doesn't mean I'm going to fail at this. It's just a part of me. It's one of my mind babies that I created. Interesting. I have space for it. I'm going to take it to the gym with me. Big difference. It's a, I, I, it's the same. It's my same approach that I'm really on my soapbox about right now about overcoming fear. Do not waste your energy trying to overcome your fear. You created your fear. You made it. Why would you want to annihilate, fight with, offend anything that you created? Any of your mind children. Don't. Fear wants attention. Give it some attention. Take it with you. It doesn't rule, but it will rule you if you don't pay attention to it. It will be the noisiest kid in the class. I love this visualization of a mind baby. Like, <laughs> just because I mean, I have a toddler. And sometimes it fits... Mm make me love him more like his little face the way his mouth does the thing when he cries really hard and I'm just like you're crying over the dumbest thing but you're so cute and I love you so much you know what I mean and so to- that carries through to adulthood yeah like you're crying we could say that to ourselves all the time like so often it's like you're crying over the dumbest thing you actually care about what somebody else who doesn't even know you thinks about you you know and but I get it cry you good Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> pregnancy has definitely brought that to light. It's funny because most of this pregnancy have been like so different from the last one. I'm just not emotional. And then like last month hit and I'm like, <laughs> there's a dog out there that's limping. <laughs> and I don't know the story, but it looks so sad. <laughs> and so it's just, 
But it's been a really great practice for me because I am so aware of that, of how ridiculous certain things are. And it sheds light on, you know, yes, these things are even less serious than some of the other stuff, but how serious are the other things anyways? How serious were the things when I wasn't pregnant? I know that they feel serious in the moment. My whole body feels like it's serious when I'm crying over the strange dog limping or whatever I cry about in that moment or the fact that my husband ate the last orange and it's all I want. (laughs) It feels like a big deal. And the amount of times I've even had to say to him, I know this is ridiculous, but it feels like a big deal. And I've even thought in those moments, you know, I should bring this phrase with me outside of pregnancy, you know, to just to remind myself that half of the things, they they just don't matter in the long run. And if I can have that awareness, that perspective, I'd be much better off. So one of the things that you talk about also that I loved is even more empowering than realizing that everything is happening for us is knowing that it's happening through us. What do you mean by that? That we're not, we're not victims, which isn't to say victimizing things don't happen. I mean, lots of us, we're really minded in our own business and something comes for us for sure. Um, It's that I believe that the soul, my higher self is, is dispensing lessons, opportunities, karma to clean up challenges, blessings all the time. There's there's like a higher purpose. There's a bigger vision that I can't always see or appreciate. But like the challenge is for me to dot, dot, dot. You can fill in the blank. Usually it's just all challenges are facilitating healing. That's the answer. Whether it's asthma or anxiety or any kind of loss or shame or all the things. So that perspective for myself frees me up that I trust that everything happens for a reason. And it doesn't mean I don't meet things with total compassion. Like, you know, the most terrible things have happened to many people. And I I wouldn't, the first thing I would say to them would not be, well, you manifested this and it's happening for a reason. The loving response, the most conscious love intelligent, I think love is really the only intelligence, response to have to any hardship for anybody is compassion. And you leave room for mystery, like, it's how interesting that this is your karma right now. You don't even need to really get into that. Like, let's let's burn through it. Let's heal this with compassion and creating conditions of healing and, and right action, you know, in Buddhist terms, right speech, right action, right livelihood, all those things. But I can't believe that things are random. I just, it's not my experience that things are random. I... I was open to believing. Is that true? No, I was never even really open to believing in randomness. But my life experience of, you know, heart, my hardships and challenges have always proven to expand me. Always. Every single one. I'm more compassionate. I end up being more creative. I end up being more resourceful and resilient. I end up being way more peaceful on the other side of every challenge that gets healed every time. Life has never let me down on that one. Yeah, it's always expanding. The universe, this, this you know, scientific, basic, the universe is always expanding and you are included in that. 
Yeah, you say your our soul is always leading us toward expansion. And that's been my experience as well. And mm. I used to be able to see it better in hindsight. And maybe that's still true. But what I've found in the last, especially five years, I'm able to see it while it's happening much more often mm -hmm. because I've expanded my awareness enough or I've created the neural pathways or the open-mindedness or the beliefs. And so there's a groove there that I start to naturally fall into where I am crying on the ice, asking why is this happening for me versus resisting it for so long, fighting it against it until I feel like I'm in a better place. And then all of a sudden I'm able to look back and say, oh, now I kind of see, you know, it just sort of, <laughs> it sort of opens up. But it's funny yeah. because yeah, in that, in that moment, I, I wasn't sure because the wife had told me, you know, you might want to just go to the ER, get checked out. And I had a feeling I was fine, but like, do I really have to go to the ER and cancel this interview right now? And you and I had an interview scheduled back in, in December. And it was one of the two, mm. one of the three times that I had to go to the ER was that day. And I had to cancel the interview kind of last minute yeah. <laughs> and because I couldn't keep food or water down. And my midwife was like, you should probably go get some fluids. And I'm like, really, I have to cancel this interview. But I was not in a good place. So I did. And I'm like, I not, I'm not I doing it again. You. I probably thought, oh, this is so good because I was so down with asthma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. And so I was able, though, like I sat in my car and I accessed my higher wisdom and I just knew I was fine. I could feel baby moving. Everything was good. And and like I said, I got this other sort of message from it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm ready. And so I'm curious for you, you had talked about how you were having this hard time. And I know how much more difficult it is when there's a physical problem, when your health doesn't feel good. How are you bringing in the divine perspective to move through that, to not identify with the things you've been identifying with? Like, what is what is your process yeah, not easy. I have great cheerleaders. I mean, just this morning, like my man was like, babe, you are so much light. You can just, you could walk down the street and just kill mold in a two block radius. And I was like, I gotta believe that. Like, that's it. And that's it. I just realized like, wow, this is my own medicine because I am identifying as the wound as the sick, right? I meditate almost every day. And sometimes I don't think it's having any, I can't see the immediate benefit in it. I feel more centered and more peaceful. And some days I just feel like I checked it off my list as a good spiritual girl. I got it done, but it's that, it's that practice. I was going to call it work, but it, it isn't work. Once you really hit your stride, once you find out what works for you, it's not work. Um, it's that practice that has my thinking be more gentle. That's it. It softens my mind. So my mind isn't as ferocious all the time. And so I access my heart more. And, and how I look at it, you know, very esoterically is that when we sit, when we're still meditative, com contemplative, with the intention to like align with the divine, to align with love, then that light, that consciousness light will drop into us. And so it's not like, I can't say, well, I'm journaling. I, I can do all those things. Like I could write a love letter right now, and maybe I should, to my asthma. 
and it will tell me something and maybe there'll be something useful in there that will help me soften even more. Um, but I think it's just the shifting becomes more gentle and I identify, and this is it, I identify with my true nature. I identify with my true nature, which is I'm the healer. I am light. I am light. I am a vessel for light. The universe, God, you know, is the light source. Someday I'll realize that I am the light source. Not quite there. Yeah. And sometimes going back to the past does work. I mean, past referencing, my perspective with that now is if you use it for the right reasons, it can be medicine. So, you know, like there's an exercise we do in my heart-centered membership where just to get the mind to soften and for the attention to really go on the heart, you say like, begin this exercise with recalling a beautiful memory with someone that you love. Yes, we're going back to the past. And that's useful. So another utility of the past with getting clear on like your true identity is I look at all the things I have overcome before and I got this one and I'll get the next one because I did it before and before and before. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you brought to this episode. And I love leaving listeners with something to focus on, whether it's a practice or just a final message, just to drill in everything that we've discussed in this episode throughout mm -hmm. the week. What would you give mm -hmm. to our listeners? Well, first of all, thank you. This was a great back and forth and, and you're, you got so much wisdom of your own. It was really lovely. Yeah. Good luck with baby number two. A practice, I would say, is we've actually hit on many of them in this conversation. One is asking why. And you don't always need to know the answer and you don't always need to ask. So like, here's the thing with, quote, spiritual practices. It's not one size fits all. And one practice doesn't apply to all the events in your life. But maybe sometimes. If something happens and you ask the why before, how do I get out of this? It might be really beneficial. So there's that. We've talked about breathing really, really, really. But here's the kind of refinement we can give to that. Breathe into the heart chakra. You can take any problem and see it in the center of your heart and bring it breath and light. And it will loosen, it will heal. Yeah. And then the Third thing I would say is tone. Just watch your tone with yourself, gentle tone. So, you know, when you mess up, just speak to yourself really kindly about it. We want to change. We want to grow. We want to be on time. We want to be better. Yes. Gentle approach to improvement. And then, the then it's actually improvement. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I know that I'm leaving in a totally different energy than I arrived in. And so <laughs> I'm, my nervous system is regulated. I feel great. So for listeners that are resonating as much as I am and those who want to connect with your new book, where's the best place for them to find you and all of your offerings online? Yeah, the book is everywhere. Um, but really the center of my universe is daniellelaporte.com. And there's all sorts of beautiful things with, there's a book, there's a deck, there's a journal, there's my regular offerings and classes and daniellelaporte.com is it. And I'm everywhere on social. Yeah. Yeah. 
All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 299. Your challenge for this week is to deepen your relationship with yourself by starting that inner dialogue. So start expecting that you already have the answer somewhere. So instead of leaning into the energy of stress and confusion and overwhelm, just breathe into that heart chakra. Place your energy right where your heart is and breathe. The breath alone will help you to release some of that stress, but that's how we tune in to the energy of that space, is just by placing our attention there. And then either ask a question or sit in stillness and see what arises, but expect that you already have the answer somewhere and see how that changes your dialogue with yourself. See how that changes how you access your own wisdom. And let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. But I get it. There's a lot of choices that we make every single day. I believe I've heard 35,000 choices that we make every single day. But remember, this is a fun process. You are crafting your life right now. You're building the situation that you want to be in. But I've got some good news for you. If you need a little help with that, this is exactly why I created the Mind Love Membership. It's because there's so many things to intentionally create, like our goals and our discipline and our habits and priming our minds for change and our purpose. So for each of these big things, I've not only created masterclasses, but I've also partnered with some of the top guests on the show to create even more masterclasses for you to access. Each of these will hold your hand through designing one of these very important parts of your life. And new ones are coming up every single month. So you can find out more information at mindlove.com membership. You also get a ton of meditations, access to early release episodes and ad free listening. So find out more at mindlove.com membership. You can also find all of my sponsors at mindlove.com sponsors. And if you love this episode, please consider sharing it. Just take a screenshot and tag Mind Love Melissa and Danielle Laporte. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.